service here at the church on yesterday. Uh, and I did do the eulogy. <clears throat> but if you don't know the rest of the history, it was I called Brandon on Thursday and I called the people over the funeral that I wasn't going to be able to do it because my wife had COVID and then I was beginning to get symptoms. And so I called my doctor and got an appointment. I said, well, you with her all that time, you probably got COVID too. And it sounded like you got pneumonia. But she said, come on in. They did the tests and everything. And, and when I heard that, I called them and said, I can't do it because especially COVID is contagious. And, and I was weak. My body was, I was just so weak. I knew, I didn't see how it would be possible on Thursday. Well, I got the news Thursday night. They sent in and said my tests for COVID were negative, just like all the rest of the times I tested. It was negative, but I did have pneumonia. I said, well, I, as long as I'm not contagious, I do what God can do if um, strength enough because just because you feel good one day you know the next day might be a whole different thing but I woke up Saturday morning feeling good I called Brandon I'll see you there I didn't I did call them at the funeral let them know that I was going to be here and be able to do eulogy so I'm so grateful that God able to restore me to this symptom of a voice let's pray that it will continue long enough to get this message done amen truly I'm so grateful to be able to uh, give the word. It's a it's a blessed opportunity to do that. Amen. Um, we are, as I said, we were going through this series of of uh, I want to say it right. Rediscovering the purpose, person, and power of Jesus Christ. Uh, on last week, we talked a little bit about the purpose of Jesus. We mentioned how uh, he was come to. Um, restore the church uh, and, and he set it up on a foundation that even after he did it, it lasted for over 2,000 years because of he did so his first purpose was that his main purpose was to seek and save that which were lost but he also had to have a foundation that when he was gone that it can continue and it's still going on even until this day amen um, last week we were in Mark chapter 2 and we saw that in, 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 in all of these, God showed me in, in all four Gospels of chapter 2, there was something that God wanted to show about Jesus, his power, his personality, his humanness, and, and his power in all four Gospels shows a different aspect. And today we're going to go into Luke chapter 2, and we're going to deal with the humanity, the morality of the man, Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 41. Man. <clears throat> now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. 
And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let us pray. God, there's no question of your goodness. There's no question of your love for us that you sent your only begotten son to be the savior of the world. We realize the complete sacrifice that was made for us. We pray, God, that that sacrifice be not in vain for us, that, that we accept your love and be willing to share your love with others. I pray that your word does what it does, that it teaches, it edifies, that it delivers, that it leads, and it guides your people, and that your Holy Spirit will complete the work in their hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> the topic for the day is he had to grow. He had to grow. See, we know that Jesus was born in immaculate conception. He was born as a baby. He was not sent as a grown man to just do three, minute, three years of ministry and go back to the Father. But he was born. I remember when I was young, there were three, there was a man that told me there are three things that happens in your life. He said, you were born, you pay taxes, and then you die. I thought he was a dreary man, but one thing, even though I know there's a lot of other things in life that goes on, I cannot deny that those three things must happen in life. You gotta be born, you got to pay taxes, and then you will eventually die. And that same thing happened to Jesus same thing. Now, although I have learned there's a lot between that, I cannot say that that guy was wrong. So even something so amazing as the story of Christmas, if you remember that when they came to Bethlehem, the reason they came to Bethlehem was because they had to pay taxes. That was the purpose, and, and many times we even see here when when the uh, Olympics were here, you couldn't. Well, we didn't need hotels, but they were having problems getting hotels. What happens when there's a lot of people coming to a town? Hotels get booked if you don't get them early, and so they will come. And when they got there, y'all know the story. No room at the end, and it says she was great pregnant in uh, early in the chapter. It says she was great pregnant. I, I remember seeing Christy walk in yesterday, I could see Mary, I, I can't imagine, I don't, I don't know how many miles it was, but I can see Mary walking that way because she was great pregnant. In, chapter, in verse 7 it says, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Take note, although it was immaculate conception, it was a normal birth of a normal baby. And it goes for in it, in verse 21 it says, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, 
which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. <coughs> Pardon me. Normal baby with all normal parts. Not an angel with certain restrictions, but he was a healthy Hebrew baby boy that had to go through the same customs that all other Hebrew baby boys had to go through, including circumcision. So in our text, we pick up at the age of 12, after Jesus had grown and said and became strong, full of wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. See, they had celebrated the feast of the Passover and were heading home. Then something happened that will question any parents. They were gone a full day, and I assume they were about to rest. And, and when they were got out to rest, they're going looking for their son. And where's Jesus? I, I, I've never done that, uh, but I don't know if Brandon has. He got <laughs> five now. Be careful. We got. I never done it, but it happens. And the reason it happened is because. Like they were traveling with other guests and with other family. It wasn't just them walking together. It was other people. And so they thought, well, he must be over there with that one or must be over there with them. But they looked at everyone and he wasn't with the traveling party. So they like, where's Jesus? And so they had to go back. They, now they had gone a full you know, a day's travel before they mentioned him. So that means it take at least a day to get back to where they were. But I'm sure as they were looking, they would stop and check here and, and check there to make sure he didn't get lost somewhere along the way. So it wasn't a fast travel back because they wanted to make sure that he wasn't lost. So it took them actually three days to find him. And he was all the way back where the journey first began. And the scripture says in verse 46, it said, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Now this verse is very pertinent. See, they were shocked because Jesus was that child that, that, that just was good. You know, he was just good. He would do as he should. He would act as he should. And he would go as he should. So they were shocked that he wasn't in place. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you know, not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand him, the saying that he spoke to them. See, right here, there's a communication breakdown that happens often between parents and, and, and teenagers. There's a communication breakdown because the child is thinking that his natural place for him at this stage of his growth will be with the scholars over there learning and talking to them because of where he was. They say he had grown in stature and in wisdom. So his place, he's thinking, you know, that, well, I've outgrown my parents in this knowledge, I need to go here. But his parents were confused because 
that's Jesus' viewpoint. The parents' viewpoint, well, you're still a child and you belong in my house. And so I don't understand why you think that it's okay to be there. But what did Jesus do when he heard that? What did he do? It says, and he went down with them in verse 51 and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. So even though he thought that he had a lot of knowledge and, and everything, when his parents told them your place is in the home, he submitted to them and obeyed to them and went with them. I know some people at the age of 18, you think you've already learned everything that you can from your parents. But be patient. Even after you have amazed yourself in your learning of these high school teaching, it's a lot different than it was when we went. But that don't mean you know more than we know. Uh, that, that's, but teenagers, sometimes they think that because that, 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 that they can't learn much from us anymore because they have surpassed us. And, and, it, and it, that continues to go, that the more knowledge people get, they think they have surpassed the parents, but there's a wisdom that needs to be taught that you can't get out of the books all the time. There's a relationship that people have with, with people that you have to be taught. And Jesus became submissive. You still, so you still have to have a hard lesson of life. And in that life, you must continue to be submissive and obedient. <coughs> and to be honest with you, my children are going to always be my children. Brandon is 30, 31, 30. 31, God, he's still my child. My other daughter's 35, still my baby. They're going to always be them. And my, my mom, I'm still her child. I'm still learning and getting things from her. And I'm twice his age. I just say that. Ain't gonna let y'all do the math. But, but we always got to continue to be submissive to our parents and obey our parents, even Though the, the learning might be on a different curve, there's still some knowledge that you can gain from your parents, from the elder, if you take the time, talk to them, and listen to them. And that's what Jesus did. And because he did that, in verse, part of verse 51 says, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. See, Jesus stayed there with his parents and he increased in wisdom. Do you think Mary and Joseph could teach him even on the level of the scholars that taught them at age 12? Probably not. But Jesus still increased in wisdom and in stature, his view of the community. They looked at him differently and in favor of God and man. Why? Because he exuded humility. He didn't try to say, I'm better than all this. He exuded humility and continued to grow. And even Jesus had to grow. That's very important because some of us, when we get to a point, we think we've done it all. But if Jesus had to grow, don't think that you don't have to go grow. There's so many people that once they get saved, they're ready to go preach and go to save the world. But some you've got to grow in the Lord to be taught to learn things. And just as Jesus had to do, we have to as well. Now, from the age of 12 to 29, that's not much of Jesus recorded in the Bible, but we can trail and see some things that happened in his life, even though it wasn't following him. 
uh, uh, and we'll see that Jesus actually had to work and he had to pay taxes. Because in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, it says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense with him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. See, they couldn't see past his humanity. They grew up, they watched him grow. You know, he's that, that boy that builds shelves, that hang doors. He's, he's the carpenter. How he, how he doing all of this? I can't get with that because I, I remember what he did when he was, he worked with a hammer. How is he going to be able to talk and teach us in this manner? They couldn't grasp it. And because they couldn't grasp it, they, they couldn't receive all the blessings that God had in store for them, that Jesus had in store for them because they had such lack of faith. Don't you know that the first thing that somebody does is they want to help their family and help their friends. But do you know, he wasn't even able to help his friends because they were doubting or they couldn't see who he was. Even though Jesus wanted to start his ministry there, he said he couldn't. You hear that sermon, that verse all the time, a prophet is without honor except in his own home. And that's why, because once you grow up, so many people see you and they can't see, they can't see that change that you have in your life. Some people can never look at who you are, because they always look at who you were. You know, but there's a change that happened. Now, Jesus didn't have to have a change because he was always without sin, without guile, but they just couldn't see him doing all that work and now being a preacher. They just couldn't accept that at that time. But Jesus, this here shows that he did actually work. And then in Matthew, it records that he actually paid taxes. In verse seven, I mean, chapter 17, verse 24 of Matthew, it says, and when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, does not your master pay tribute? He said, yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him saying, what thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers? Peter said unto him, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, then are the children free? Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh out. And when thou hast opened his mouth, there shall find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. See, note, Matthew is one that's keeping record of people paying taxes. I wonder why. Y'all know Matthew was a tax collector, so he noticed these things and felt it was important to record. 
So Jesus wanted to be sure that he and Peter, that they paid their taxes so that when people looked at them, they couldn't find fault in them like some others who don't pay their taxes now. But they, Jesus made sure that he paid his taxes. Now, there's another version here that I, I got to address as far as paying taxes, and that's in Matthew 22, starting at verse 17. It says, tell us then, what you think, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and not to God the things that are God's. I mean, excuse me, say that again. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. See here, Jesus let them know that he was not under the authority of Caesar. Now, now Caesar had taxes that he wanted paid and on the, the, he had his own money. So Jesus said, well, this is his anyway. What's the problem? Give it to him. That don't mean that you're submissive to him. That don't mean that you're under his rule, that you are, he is your Lord. It just means that you're in this city. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Give me a sip. <coughs> No, he's saying you're in this town, and since you're in this town, you need to be submissive. You need to do what the law says in this town, and it says give Caesar to what is Caesar's. Now, this is a simple fact that really doesn't even be needed to be recorded, but it's important <coughs> because it's not worth making this up. You know that he paid taxes. That's not all that big a deal. But it's important to me to let me know that he was just like us, that he was born and Jesus had to pay taxes. And then the last thing that Jesus had to do was die. <coughs> <coughs> and when Jesus had to die, he had human moments of his death. See, at the time of his betrayal, he knew what was to come. He knew it was not to be a quick and painless event. He knew his death was gonna be hard and he even considered a better way. In Luke 22, verse 40, Jesus said, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that 
you may not enter, enter into temptation. See, Jesus had to go through this childhood. He had to go through this community not believing in him. He had to go through his disciples letting him down. He had to go through even one of his disciples betraying him and looking at the very same people that he was sent to save. But they ridiculed him. They beat him. They stabbed him. They even chose a murderer over him. Yet he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. See, Jesus knew that he was going to die. He told his disciples that, that he could not be raised up in three days unless he was first laid down. He couldn't do it without dying. He couldn't be the savior of the world reigning for over 2,000 years, saving people still today if he didn't first die. See, Jesus walked with us. He heard us. He felt us. He was betrayed by us. He was ostracized by us. He was criticized by us. He was beaten by us. He was stabbed by us. He was hung by us. So he looked upon us and he knew he could see the vitriol, the hatred that were in our eyes for him. And he's coming to save those that are here hurting him. He looked on us and he could see there is no way that we deserve to be saved. There's no way these people deserve a second chance. But Jesus humbly died, laid on the cross for our sins, for the same people that were beating him, for the same people that, that killed him, for the same people that hung him on the cross, for the same people that's denying him, for the same people that's not living and trusting him today. He died for us. Mm. We, we, we think that Jesus, we know that Jesus was God in the flesh, but even though he was God in the flesh, he was in the flesh. Do you know that hurt him to be stabbed? That hurt him to get beat like that. That crown of thorns hurt him. He had to feel that pain. He had to feel on that cross while they were, he could hear them mocking him. Oh, he called himself a king. Had him get down. He could hear this stuff, but he stayed there anyway just for us. He died just for us. Not because we were worth it. He died because we were it. And if he didn't die, we would be all destined to hell, death, and the grave. But by his death, he saved us from that life. Let us pray. God, we're so grateful. You are an eternal Father that knows all, that is all wise, that's all knowing, that's all caring, that's all loving. And we'll thank you for all you have done. We thank you, God, for your word of edification, for our instruction, for our inspiration. God, we are so glad that you sent a Savior to this dying, undeserving world. God, we acknowledge the time we have is allowing us to be saved and spread your gospel so that others may have the opportunity that you have given us. 
God, I pray that your word is placed in the hearts of your people and will come forth to prevent us from sinning against you. And if when we sin, that we don't stay in the sin, but we immediately ask for your forgiveness and allow your faith to clean us up, to deliver us from that temptation, from that sin. God, I pray a special prayer on our first lady. I pray that the delivery process goes smoothly and that another child has brought this to this earth to shine, to lead others to your grace. I pray that Pastor Brandon and Christy be like Joseph and Mary and allow their children as well as the children in this church now and those to come to grow in the knowledge, love, and forgiveness of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.